0: Noah him with his hands and his warmer around his waist, pulls him out, takes the shotgun snap, makes the hand off the borsa, stands in the pocket, lots of time, going to throw down the middle of the field in coverage, and it's caught! And that's Bennett Stusick with a big grab, and the rookie out of Campbell takes it all the way down to the 35. That's a 50-yard pitch and catch. Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with rider guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in his province, growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsey. Well, this podcast is becoming the voice of football in Saskatchewan at the amateur level. Over the last four years, my goal has been to put the spotlight on the athletes, coaches, and builders who have been instrumental in keeping alive and growing the game of football. We do from time to time talk CFL and NFL on this podcast, but let's be honest, interest flows downhill. If the riders are doing well, then more kids are likely to play football at the grassroots level here in Saskatchewan. I'm sure hoping CFL games come back soon, and when they do, that the league is focused on growing the three-down game in Canada. In my opinion, that's the key to turning around this thing and making it sustainable over the long haul. But it's going to take work, lots of hard work, and commitment from everybody. How much do we love this game? Well... We're about to find out. This podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors who love the game of football. Regina Sports Performance Center at 1440 Broadway Avenue. Face first medical aesthetics here in Regina above Gabos on Dudney Avenue. Go see Crescinda to beat back father time in a naturally looking way. Hammer time roofing in Saskatoon. Saskatoon's only certainty five-star roofer backed by a true manufacturer's warranty. Give them a call at 262 Roof. AGT Foods. Thanks to Mirat Al-Khatib for getting on board and supporting football at all levels in this province. Gear up with John Ryan Foundation. The Rough Rider punter never has forgotten where he has come from. Regina Kid through and through. Only Saskatchewan-born boy to win a Super Bowl and of course a punter for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And he has the gear up with the John Ryan Foundation helping out Regina Minor football. Getting the real estate game with former CFL or three-time Grey Cup champ Paul Waldo at Royal Page here in the Queen City. 306-502-5355. Doubles at egg Sales in Weyburn. For grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance, give Corey Zadarozniak a call. 306-842-2406. Mark Greshner Photography. Check out his outstanding work at markgreshner.com. And I am coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio. And before we get to our first guest, I wanted to talk about this. <laughs> Today's tax day in Canada, of course, and some of you are in danger of not making the deadline. Well, you're in luck. Find your excuse right here with the top reasons you haven't finished your taxes. Duh. You prefer prison to living with your family, especially in this pandemic. You're protesting gun violence or women's issues or gluten. You're not really sure, but the point is you're pissed off. You're a professional sports athlete, and there's no way of counting all your dependents by the time midnight rolls around. Another reason that you haven't finished your taxes yet. Taxes require an income. An income requires a job. A job requires getting out of bed. Getting out of bed requires putting on pants. You don't do that. It's a pandemic. Another top reason you haven't finished your taxes yet. Well, you're Chad McDonald, and you have an issue with your tax guy because he won't let you claim the three voices in your head as dependents. Like Chad, you're a millennial, so you're trying to figure out a way to deduct your 300 fidget spinners. And the top reason you haven't finished your taxes yet, (laughs) you're the Canadian finance minister. Have you seen what Trudeau's done in the last year? Time now to head out in the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline and speak with Scott Grant from Scott Grant Photography out of Ottawa. His dad, Ted Grant, was known as the father of photojournalism here in Canada. Scott and I talk about watching the CFL game through the lens of a camera for over four decades. You can see some of his great work on my social media posts related to this installment of Growing the Game with Ballsy. As you're going to hear, it's really an underappreciated job. Tell us a bit about your dad first.
1: Uh, well, my dad's been, well, he, he passed away last, last April, which was, uh, which was tough, tough for me because he's the, he was the beginning. He was the beginning of, 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 everything, you know, for me photographically, he's, was known as the, as the father of photojournalism in Canada, some of the, some of the best photographers in, in Canada and, and North America, and actually around the world learned, learned pretty much everything from him. So it was Part of his assignments that he worked on as a freelancer when he first started was was shooting uh football games here in Ottawa.
0: What's the first football game you went to with your dad? Kinda got you hooked.
1: Yeah, it was uh nineteen sixty nine. It was a it was a, a Hamilton, Ottawa game. It was he handed me a camera. I guess I I don't even remember asking him to go. <laughs> I just he handed me a camera and he said, There's a roll of film in it, don't waste it. I sold uh, six pictures from that game that were used in one of the CFL programs. That's awesome. I was 13 years old at the time.
0: That's awesome. What do you remember most about that day?
1: Uh, It was a nice day. I don't really remember a whole lot about it. It was was a little overwhelming being on the sidelines, and, and not that I hadn't been there before, because with my dad's involvement with the Rough Riders as their team photographer through the 1960s, we got to know a lot of the players. I mean I was just a kid but we had um you know players over to the house and, and uh you know and that kind of thing. So it wasn't it wasn't like being thrown into a, a group of strangers mm-hmm. that I knew I knew some of the players. But it was still you know, you're still a thirteen year old kid and yeah. and and you're surrounded by this but it was just the just the experience of of, of being there was you know and the fans and 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 everything was all, all just part of it and I might just be you know kind of trying to think back I've never really had anybody ask me that question before. Well I'm glad it,
0: I, I'm glad it was the first one but obviously just listening to you your your destiny was already picked for you. Once you got on that field with your dad got a camera there's you weren't going to be anything else but a photographer, right Scott?
1: That was it. I um I was I wasn't a great student in school but And I was told in school by the the guidance counselor, which is actually interesting. He said, photography is a great hobby, but you'll never make a living at it. And I ran into him about 10 years later, and he was unemployed, working as a security guard. So, and I said, and I asked if he remembered me. And he he said, yeah. And I said, yeah, so you know what I'm doing? And I told him. And he was, uh, it was a bit of a... A surprise for him i think after
0: high school you started working with your dad as i understand it and then you kind of got into the football cards the cfl football cards uh deal tell me about that
1: uh yeah with the uh joggle joggle uh cfl cards they um i started playing hockey with a guy i just I, I didn't know him at the time yeah and uh he knew i was taking pictures he'd seen some of the stuff. And, and this was in 1981. And he's a, he was a card collector back then. And he there was no CFL cards at the time. And he said, why don't we work on a set? Why don't we put a card set out and see what happens? And so I started uh, supplying the pictures for him. And that was the start of it. And we're still doing the cards now.
0: Where are these cards distributed? Because we're talking about, we're talking about a, a crisis with this league, Scott, and trying to get young people on board. I remember as a young kid, I used to get these cards. I love the Vince Goldsmiths, the Joe Pau Pows, all the old, get, get all of them, get the Chris de France back in the early eighties, yeah. uh, late seventies, early eighties. I was on board. Oh, I can't wait to get them, but we need to get young kids involved again. So, i I don't see these where where are they being distributed
1: the all the alum, the alumni cards yeah not the not the current ones but the alumni cards that we're doing um are it's a very limited number and they only and they're only sold to um some of the long time collectors that are that are buying them. nothing goes into the stores we lost the uh the contract to upper deck yeah and um i'm not going to i'm not going to badmouth upper deck they you know for what they did and the and, and what and how they approached the cards they didn't approach the cards the same way that that jago did what which was any player that wanted to be in the be in the set could be in the set we didn't we didn't make the selections the players themselves
0: ah interesting
1: the players themselves, and the players actually bought into the cards themselves. So, if a, a player at the time wanted to be uh, be in the set, he could have been anybody. It didn't matter. I think he paid seventy five bucks to be in the set. He got to pick his card. He wrote his bio. He got five hundred free cards, and he could order more if he wanted. And it was more inclusive for the league. We were always the, the best kept secret of the the, the CFL. We. Mm-hmm we kind of got you know pushed aside a few times by other other card companies that went you know that that never made it through and they just but we kept doing the card interesting we had a we, we had a following
0: yeah interesting hey uh so so uh, Scott you you understand the game of football I'm going to assume how much does that help you when you're taking pictures of a sporting event to understand the sports to anticipate because a lot of the and I'm on the sidelines doing sideline reporting during Saskatchewan Rough Rider games yeah uh, so, I, I'm around all these photographers, and I marvel at... you got to anticipate what's going to come to get that great shot. So, obviously, you got to know what you're watching or looking out for.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I played, you know, senior flag and senior touch for 40 years. And, um, and in that, I played all the positions, which... It, it's, a tiny, it's a tiny learning piece. But when I watch the games... Because shooting, and that still goes back to the the, the juggle cards, I was given a list of 40 players I needed to shoot. So I had to shoot all the linemen. So by watching the center, watching the guards, watching the tackles, watching how they are... Reacting, who's pulling, who's going where. I was. I had to anticipate some of the plays. Mm-hmm. So I was. I was basically calling my own plays. I I could figure out when it was going to be a passing play. I could figure out when it was going to be, you know, you know, run, run, which is it's pretty basic. Looking at the the defensive setups, watching for blitzes and. I would isolate on one player. Now, a lot of times there's 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 a lot of luck involved, but but it, it all came down to just really paying attention, staying away from all the other photographers. They they need yards. I would go way downfield and wait for the play to come to me. That happened quite often, everybody else be packed up waiting for something to happen at the line of scrimmage and you know a long bomb and I'm the only one standing down there by myself everything was anticipation and I actually had some of the players asking me like on the sidelines about what was coming up and that's neat and so it was okay this is this is how I this is how I see what's going to happen photographer
0: slash offensive coordinator Scott Grant.
1: Oh, I was, I was, uh, I was. I would yell at players. I I was yelling when the ball was in the air. Everybody else is quiet. What it, it it came to was, I really felt like I was part of the team as a, as a as a team member.
0: When you're taking pictures, uh you're invading their space. You're invading their workplace. It'd be like you sitting in my control room taking a picture of me doing this interview. There's got to be some sort of uh ease, some sort of trust factor how much relationship building goes into it for you? Because I know me, I have good relationships with people around the league where I consider them sources. They can tell me stuff. They can trust me that I'm not going to hang them out to dry. You have the same, uh, same type of situation as a photographer?
1: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, and it it goes back to what my, uh, what my dad always taught me about photography was you, you can't be part of the picture. You've got to stand back. And so I took that with me. And respect always respect the boundaries, and i've always done that, and there's you know there's the box on the bench, and mm-hmm. nobody's allowed into it other than the players and staff and I always respect that. there are um, a couple of photographers around the league that seem to think they have their own own set of rules and and they're in there all the time, which that that really bothers me, and I've called them out on it several times. If the officials don't, because they know they're not supposed to be in there, I go to all the Red Blacks practices and talk to all these guys. And mm-hmm. they talk to me. I know about injuries before they, you know, they they don't even tell the the team if they've, you know, if they've got a, you know, some minor injury because they want to keep playing. They, you know, they 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 gripe about, uh, you know, not starting, and they, you know, and, and it because they know that it's not going anywhere. I'm almost like a father figure. I'm old yeah. enough to, you know, and and it's
0: a sideline, a sideline bartender.
1: Basically. Yes. And they, they, they trust that whatever they tell me uh, is not going anywhere. And these are guys that I might talk to once or twice and, mm-hmm. and, and that's it. And all of a sudden, you know, we're, you know, we're, you know, pals and we're talking about different things and they're, you know, they're grumbling about the coaches and, and all this. And, and, and I'm giving my feedback on on what I'm seeing with other guys that are other uh, that are covering it and you're saying you know this guy he's this guy can't cover he can't <laughs> cover deep I don't know why he's starting and and I've told coaches the same thing I've said to them I said no you've got you've got guys out here that just can't that aren't covering they can't cover deep or you got a quarterback that only looks one way
0: it's interesting what you see through the uh, eyes of your lens that's cool and so i got to ask you how many images do you have collected over the years because you know our games in crisis and some people are worried that we could be losing our game uh, i think it's cool that you have all this history and all these images how many how many images do you have collected between you and your father
1: right now online there's uh, 43500 wow images going from 1959 right up until 2020 actually i i went out with a couple of the players when they were training before the season was called so yeah i do stuff i do stuff out, off off the field as well with some of the players hey but, scott,
0: scott let me ask you do you have some of the old school guys from the 70s 80s maybe even the 60s give you a call and say hey could i uh see some of your stuff just some you know for nostalgic reasons for them too
1: Oh, I, I get it. Uh, I, I get it regularly, and, it, and it's funny with some of the guys because, especially in the '70s, I was the same age as these guys, and I wasn't really like because I, I'm. I'm rather unassuming and i stay back and i shoot the way i shoot i didn't talk to any of them again it goes back to you know respecting Mm -hmm. that boundary and then i run into these guys uh, or i get a call and we talk for you know we'll end up talking for an hour and they're going yes they all knew who i was i had no idea that they did some of the guys are looking at the pictures with maybe a couple more players they just they'll sit down together And they'll go through them, and they'll look at them, and they'll look at all the pictures from from a certain, you know, that year that they played or the years Mm -hmm. they played. And because of concussions and, and, you know, sadly, some of the guys with, you know, early dementia Mm – where they were saying how much they appreciated the pictures because it helped them rebuild all the memories that they lost or that they were losing. So some of the guys buy the pictures and and uh, wow. and, and you know, which is for me when I when I hear that, it really puts the context of how incredibly important the pictures are.
0: Hey uh, Scott, is there a favorite um, player? that you loved to shoot over your time was there one guy or one team i know you were with the red blacks and rough riders but was there maybe one guy from another team you really enjoyed uh, watching him play and and you got some really good photos uh, Doug Flutie. Yeah. <laughs> that's any that's any that's any how hard was he to shoot though there was a guy that played playground football he was go to the red truck and run a button hook like you you really would have to anticipate to know what Doug Flutie was going to do.
1: Yeah, i just you know i absolutely loved watching him play. I, I, you know, as playing, like when I said I was playing flag and senior, I played quarterback and I kind of, you know, sort of looked at how flute he played and his scrambling and his just, and everything about him was just how, what I enjoyed about watching football. He was exciting all the time. And I liked the other one, Warren Moon, and there's a, yeah. a lot of other guys too, you know, that, that were, uh, you know, those kind of guys. And then, you know, even guys like Zambiazzi and yeah, and, Hamilton, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, those and, kind of guys. You know,
1: and you and you mentioned and Vince Goldsmith. He was one. He was one I liked because he was one of the. He wasn't a really big guy, but I I always figured he was one of the first real rush end rush ends in the league. Yeah, you're like right. He was, you know, he was one of those guys. He didn't have the size, but he had the speed. And James Quick
0: Parker was another good one too. And back then, he's in the day. another.
1: He's another one. I actually, I don't. I don't collect autographs. I'm not a. Yeah. That's one of the things that I, that I, I don't do. I have, I have a few, okay. and, and James Parker was one of them, and Mervyn Fernandez. But because I don't, I, I, again, it goes to um, respecting the boundaries.
0: Was there any stadium that you did or did not like shooting at? Maybe give me one outside of Ottawa that you loved shooting at. Was there one where you'd go on the road and shoot that you liked?
1: Actually, I have to say Taylor Field.
0: You you liked it or didn't like it?
1: I did like it. What did you like about it, was, it? What did you like about it? I was there for when I was the the Red Blacks team photographer. Yeah. I traveled with them on the charter for their very first franchise preseason game. Mm-hmm. And it was in Saskatchewan. Right. So and that was the first time I'd shot in Taylor Field. Um shot football there anyways. And it, it just reminded me of Old Lansdowne Park.
0: Yeah,
1: it reminded me that just the, just the way it was. It was run down and, but <laughs> character, you know, and, character, and, and and that's exactly what it was. Was that you know the the dressing rooms just everything about it was, you know it was it was
0: it was a beautiful it, dump is what it was.
1: Yeah, it said it it said football to me.
0: Yeah, no, and it sure. wasn't
1: and it, it wasn't a big there wasn't a big crowd. It was pre-season, mm-hmm. but it was. The, the fans that were there, I mean, they're, they're crazy. I, I could say that they're the best in the league, but I, I'd be lying. That's Ottawa, obviously. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> <laughs> You got to get that in there. I love that. Hey, and people will see on my social media posts uh, some of your pictures, some of the favorite ones you picked out out of the 43,500 images. So we'll have those up. But is there one photo that you particularly like above all the others? I know that's like picking your favorite kid, but do you have one that you like above all the others where you say, yeah, that one?
1: One of my favorites is John Barrow, and that's one of the ones that you have is sitting on the bench, just drinking out of a mm-hmm. paper cup, and that was in the 1964 Grey Cup that my dad had shot. Yeah, and my favorite pictures are ones that my dad shot.
0: Yeah, like, I, I, I,
1: I, I have a lot, but my my you know my dad was you know he he had that that special uh, special eye and special. You know, comfort around everybody, and those old black, the old black and white ones. Yeah, I, I like those ones. I like s- some of the ones I shot. I like the ones where they're playing in the mud, and yeah. there's, you know, that, that, that's just old football that you just don't, you just don't get that kind of, you know. Um, physical atmosphere anymore you just you're you're not just a football shooter i'm doing paralympics now so i've done uh i was in sochi that was the first paralympics that i did and then i went to rio and and pyeongchang and then and then i'll be going to tokyo and to beijing in march i guess next year so it's um it's it, you know tokyo will be interesting
0: yeah it'd be but, different uh, too yeah it'll
1: be different yeah it's I have to say it won't probably won't be as much fun as they mm-hmm. usually are but Do you have
0: a do you have a favorite Olympic memory uh in terms of you with uh, with your uh, your job
1: Favorite Olympics well I shot um 3 with my dad so probably all those um Albertville and uh and Calgary and and uh those were those were probably the went oh, to Seoul too, as well. Yeah. actually, my favorite moment was Ben Johnson's uh, 979 race. And uh, you know, regardless of what happened, no kidding, he, that, was still, that was still one of my sports highlights. Where like, were
0: you there in the stadium? Where were you s- situated?
1: I was shooting. I was shooting the start. Oh, okay. And my and my dad was shooting the finish. So and, did you
0: get the better end of the deal, or your dad?
1: Oh, my dad killed me on that one. He he's he's he has the best Ben Johnson picture that was shot from that race.
0: Do you still have that? Uh, yep. Yeah. Nice.
1: I do. That's I awesome.
0: Do. One other interesting note that I see here from your bio: you were Prime Minister Mulrooney's first professional photographer. How did that yeah. come? How did that come to be? And and uh, what was that like?
1: Um. Well, again, it goes back to my my dad was was doing everything for Joe Clark at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was working for the federal PC party, just doing doing the shooting for them. And and then when Mulrooney won the leadership, I took over as his personal photographer, and you know traveled with him doing all his pictures so it was it was i spent 13 years working with the federal pc party uh during that time frame and um but do, i only did the one year with uh, uh with the prime minister you a, other, do, do, I, do you have
0: a do you have a favorite mulrooney uh picture or moment with him uh where you captured uh, the essence of the prime minister maybe with another world leader or something like that
1: i i was you know i spent election night with with him and uh and uh and Mila Mulrooney and you know in in Bay Como and you know in a private house and Mm -hmm. you know got to share that whole experience so
0: that's cool what was that like that's that's something not too many people will ever get to do
1: no that was uh that was a that was a pretty good one that was uh that was it was different. Uh, of course, everybody's anticipating they're going to win, but you, you just never know. I was also on the other end of it when they lost in '93. So, but I also had the opportunity of sitting in the White House with uh, with uh, the Prime Minister and President Reagan in the Oval Office.
0: Well, that's cool. What was that like? I love Reagan. Reagan was one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, that was that was that was uh, the Prime Minister's first trip to Washington, and. It was uh it was kind of overwhelming. Uh you know, we did the whole motorcade from uh, from the airport and and when we left we uh you know flew out on Marine 1 off the lawn and and so that kind of experience I think from the, the political side of it was from a just from a basically a kid uh that was pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, how old would you have been when that happened?
1: Um if you don't oh, mind me asking. A, that was in eighty that was in eighty three or 84, 84 it was. So I was twenty six, maybe, twenty seven.
0: Wow. That would have been maybe. that would've been a highlight, man. You'd have been you would have been, uh, would have been uh, the water cooler guy telling all your buddies the stories.
1: Yeah. Well my my dad once asked me if I'd ever been on a helicopter. We were sitting we were sitting around having a drink and he said uh, I said, have you been on a helicopter before? And I just said, well, just Marine One. And that was like, yeah, okay. Because, I mean, my dad's my dad had done, he'd done everything, you name it. He had been through it. He was in Vietnam. He did, like, all the stuff that I wouldn't be, you know, mm. I, I wouldn't be anywhere near. But, you know, he, he did it all. So
0: So just to wrap up here, this CFL game, really is more than just a game to you. It's really uh, among, you know, you've been with your dad in a bunch of different, uh, you know, aspects of life, uh, shooting different things. But the CFL game really is a tie to your father, isn't it? It really does mean a lot to you, more than just the game.
1: Oh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. My, the first Grey Cup we ever did together was uh, 1976, sore point for Saskatchewan.
0: Yeah, but. no I saw the picture there that's going to be on my <laughs> yeah. Facebook page. Thanks a lot for rubbing it in. I appreciate that. So, so problem. So I, where I, were you when the Tony Gabriel catch happened?
1: I was uh actually at the line of scrimmage. I was I was where I wouldn't normally have been. But um yeah, I didn't even you know, honestly, I never even saw the catch. I was shooting something else. I was looking uh, you know at at Clements and what was going on and mm-hmm. Well, and, Gabriel uh,
0: Gabriel doesn't remember it either because he had a concussion. He got smoked the play before. He yes, told I He, he told he told me he goes back into the huddle, he doesn't know what to do, and Clemens says, "Just run that. Run the yeah. corner route and I'll hit you."
1: That's what yeah. it was. So, it's funny. Yeah, that was um Yeah, that was probably my probably the the best football, you know, time I had was just that first great cup in Ottawa winning and being there with my dad
0: and they want to check out your work Scott where do they go besides uh, my Facebook where I've got these uh, pictures up
1: CFL photo archive okay. com.
0: okay CFL photoarchive.com Scott yep. this, this has been a pleasure man thanks for all the great work you've done over the years and your dad too uh, God rest his soul and hopefully uh, you'll be back shooting some more stuff here soon I appreciate it
1: uh, my pleasure
0: It's time for the gospel according to Ballsy. Well, last year, Major League Baseball started placing a runner on second base in extra innings as a way to keep games from dragging on forever. Now the response has been mixed mainly because the pace of play is as slow as ever and the runner on second makes the ending more anticlimactic than exciting. But this might actually have fans hoping a game goes to extras. One of MLB's partner leagues, the Pioneer League, is going to replace extra innings with a head-to-head sudden death home run derby. So kind of like the shootout in the NHL. It sounds simple, one player from each team will get five pitches and whoever hits the most homers wins. If there's still a tie, there's another round with each team picking a different hitter. Now it's unclear who'd be pitching if it's just a softball batting coach kind of pitcher, which I think that's what they should do, bring out the nets and have kind of softball pitching, like soft toss pitching I mean. You know, like they do with the uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Home Run Competition. It's definitely going to upset some baseball purists. I like it! If you're going to do screwy things to the game just to make it end faster, like the extra inning thing, why don't you make it faster for people who don't like baseball anyway? At least make it exciting. In any event, MLB needs to keep attacking the pace of play. Not ending games early with seven inning double headers or runners on second. A double header seven innings? Not bad. But if Madison Baumgartner gets a no hitter, it counts even though it's seven innings. It's your stupid rule. God, Major League Baseball's dumb. Cut back on time between pitches? Keep the pitchers and hitters locked in? This is the main reason the game is slowed. They also need to shore up the replay process and cut back on commercial breaks, too. Ah, the heck with it. You want to make baseball more exciting? (laughs) Call it football. I'd like to point out the gospel according to Ballsy isn't necessarily a reflection of the sponsor, but I do want to welcome another great sponsor on board. Thanks very much to Ben Garrow and Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and PA. They care about your safety. This has been Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. Ballsey can be heard weekdays in Regina on 104.9 The Wolf Morning Show and during Saskatchewan Roughriders and U of R Rams broadcasts on 620 CKRM.